You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Have you ever wondered who the Mary was from Bloody Mary? If the Loch Ness Monster was real, or if Ouija boards actually worked? On each episode of the family-friendly Unspookable, we look at the histories and mysteries behind your favorite scary stories, myths, and urban legends to get the real stories behind the scares. Want to solve your next mystery? Find and follow Unspookable now wherever you get your podcasts. Across the United States, this weekend, people will be celebrating Father's Day. I thought this would be a great time to dedicate a mini-episode to an artist who created a beautiful work of art for his father. I love M.C. Escher's portrait of G.A. Escher, not only because it shows us the Escher men had a strange proclivity for referring to humans by letters rather than names— But we see some similarities between the father and son, as both wrote diligently in their journals throughout the process of creation. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. For this mini-episode, I'm covering the portrait of G.A. Escher, created by M.C. Escher. M.C. Escher is an artist who is best known for his tessellations and sort of surreal work. He was known for creating these impossible realities, and if you want to learn more about M.C. Escher and his work, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a full episode I did on M.C. Escher and his Circle Limit piece. For this week, I am talking about a loving portrait he created of his father near the end of his life. Both the son-slash-artist and father-slash-model wrote about the creation of this piece And so for this episode, I'm going to be sharing a little bit about what each of them said in their journals to get a little bit of the perspective of both the creator and the subject of this piece. In early 1935, M.C. Escher moved from Italy to Switzerland. After the move, he had to go to the Netherlands to get some business in order. He consulted with a cousin about a logo for his machine factory— He met with the Postal Service about his design for a stamp. Amid all this, he spent about three weeks making a portrait for his father, who was 92 years old at the time. And here I'm going to go over to a little bit of G.A. Escher's, that's the father's, journals. On the 30th of July, he wrote, While I'm reading my morning paper, Mock begins to draw me. I guess mock was sort of like an affectionate term for M.C. Escher. The M in M.C. Escher standed for Moritz, and I guess he would call him mock. August 6th, he wrote, Mock keeps working while I read my morning paper, meant for a lithograph. August 9th, he writes, 
I pose again. Now, part of what I love about this description is the first entry is just saying like, Mock's drawing me while I'm just trying to read my paper and Mock is sitting there drawing me. But now he's gone from drawing him in his morning routine to making him pose. It's a little bit funny. Like it's it's gone from a father saying like, okay, I'm I'm sitting here doing my thing and my son's drawing me to now I've got to sit here and pose so he can go about his business. On the 11th of August, G.A. Escher writes, Mock spends a lot of time on my right hand, with which I hold my reading glasses. Now, I, I gotta say, when I first saw this picture, the hand did look to me like an area where he struggled. Uh, no shade at M.C. Escher. Clearly a great draftsman, wonderful artist, and far more skilled and talented than I will ever be. But when I do look at the hands, there is something a little bit wonky about the hands. I think it's just like the fingers, the hands, it almost looks deflated in some way. Um, I notice it particularly when I'm looking at the index and middle fingers on the right hand. They just, they don't quite look right. The The skin seems sort of hollow, almost like there's no bones underneath to support them. I think it's because of the way that the, the highlight sort of gets lost in the middle finger, right around the knuckles. It just looks like something sort of flattened, like a, a sack of skin with nothing underneath it. But still a lovely portrait, despite my absolutely grotesque description of a sack of skin with nothing underneath it on august 20th he wrote mock has drawn all day on the stone for my portrait mainly the background now for those unfamiliar with the process of lithography it's kind of a pain the short version of it is you take a big stone you grind it to get it nice and smooth and flat so that you can use that as a stamp then you draw with a grease pencil or like an oil-based crayon, um, and that's what you use to make your design. You use gum arabic and chemicals to basically mask off areas and etch the design into the surface of the stone. Basically, it comes down to the idea that oil and water don't mix, so you used oil-based stuff in the ink areas and water-based around it to make some parts of the stone that will accept the ink and some that will repel it. After that, the stone is used, as I said, it's like a stamp. You can ink it and press paper to it. For a multicolored print, you would have to prep a stone for each color, carefully line them up to print with one stamp after another. Oh, and the stamps print backwards. It comes out as a mirror image of the initial sketch. And that mirroring is an issue, M.C. Escher wrote about it this way. When it comes to creating a portrait of someone with markedly asymmetrical features, a great deal of the likeness is lost in the print. For this is the mirror image of the original work. In this instance, a contraprint is made. That is to say, while the ink on the first print was still wet on paper, this was printed onto a second sheet, thereby annulling the mirror image. The proof brings out the signature that he himself wrote on the stone with lithographic chalk, 
and which is now to be seen doubly mirrored back in its original form. So what M.C. Escher is saying there is that this portrait would not look correct if it were a mirrored image the way that a typical litho would look. He sketched it, he printed the proof, and then he took that mirrored print, and while the ink was still wet, he pressed it to another paper, essentially using that printed paper as a stamp itself to print onto another paper. So it's a print of a print. When he took that wet print and pressed it to another paper, it flips the image back the right way. And he did all that work setting up the stone and making those prints and doing that contraprint technique. And in the end, he only made 15 prints of this portrait. He never sold those prints. It was purely a labor of love to share among the family. G.A. Escher, M.C.'s father, was the first to get a copy. He wrote, Sarah, that's Escher's mother, accompanies him to the station. Although he doesn't like this, before leaving, Mock puts in my eye drops instead of Sarah and does a good job of it. Mock is taking a print of my portrait to Eddie. On it, he can see the eye mask which he brought for me from the Belgian seaside resort some time ago. There's something just so lovely about this account of this work from the father's perspective. I mean, in his journals, he was talking about how he's reading his paper and his son starts drawing him. He talks about how his son was having trouble with it, how he's spending so much time working to get the hand and working to get the stone prepped. And then... In the end, G.A. Escher is commenting about how he knows, he knows his son doesn't like administering his eye drops. I mean, no son likes to see their father ailing and, and needing to be taken care of. <laughs> Growing up, I literally thought my father was Superman for way longer than it was probably socially acceptable. But here we see M.C. Escher is looking at his father... And taking care of him as he was 92 years old. I mean, everybody there knew his health is failing him. His vision is failing him. And MC is doing what he can to take care of him. And GA realizes the toll that it takes on his son. And he's appreciative of his efforts. He comments on what a good job MC did. And then he talks about how M.C. was sharing that print with his other son, with Eddie. And in there he says that Eddie can see the eye mask that he brought for him. It's just all about those family connections. He's not talking about, oh, you know, the composition looks so, the contrast of it, the the clean print, whatever. He's not talking about those formal attributes of the artwork. Like so many fathers, he seems to be recognizing that what his sons have given him, whether it's the eye mask brought from the Belgian seaside resort some time ago, the print his son made, or the eye drops he administered, All of these things are acts of love, of acts of kindness. 
And that's what G.A. is focused on in his journal entries. He's focused on what his son's doing, what he's making, the labor he's investing. So for those of you listening in the United States, and really anybody listening, take some time this Father's Day weekend to think about what you can do to show some love and to show some appreciation to your father or those who occupy that space in your life. In my experience, nobody has ever looked back and regretted the time and energy they devoted to acts of kindness, love, and appreciation of others. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Now this week for my Follow Friday segment, I am once again going to share a podcast that I absolutely love. The Constant, A History of Getting Things Wrong. If you are a listener of this podcast, and particularly my Fun Fact Friday mini-episodes, I think you'll love The Constant. It is so well-produced and so thoroughly researched and delivered in a fun and upbeat way. Every episode shares stories of things I never knew about from history that are absolutely bonkers. Most recently, The Constant was talking about the history of patent medicine, and I cannot believe not only the ridiculous elixirs and tonics that have been sold to people, but the pop culture it has spawned. I mean, there was practically a genre of music dedicated to these ridiculous patent medicines. So if you're looking for another podcast to fill some of your time and fill your brain with some stuff you never knew you always wanted to know, check out The Constant, A History of Getting Things Wrong. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted, part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. If you found this tolerable, please leave a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week on social media at Who Arted Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, on the website, whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.